There are certain clarifying moments in political discourse, moments that demonstrate just where the various parties stand. Never has the gap been so obvious as this last week. On Friday, the left declared the world was in imminent peril. The problem? President Trump pulled out of the altogether meaningless Paris Climate Accord, a worldwide agreement requesting non-binding commitments from signatories about future carbon emissions cuts. The hysteria was palpable. Suddenly, debunked weather prognosticator Al Gore found himself in prime television slots jabbering about the end of the world. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, she gabbled about how Trump was dishonoring God. No word on her abortion on demand position from the Holy One, blessed be he. The Huffington Post ran a headline showing the world in flames. The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, released a statement bemoaning Trump's decision. Meanwhile, the right shrugged. It pointed out the agreement didn't really do much anyway. It didn't bind China and India to any serious commitments. The Senate had not passed any enabling legislation. Perhaps non-governmental alternatives should be considered before diving headlong into empowerment of the regulatory state to fight a rising temperature over the next century. On Saturday, a group of Islamic terrorists drove a van into a crowd on London Bridge and then jumped out of the vehicle and started stabbing people in surrounding establishments. ISIS claimed responsibility. The right immediately labeled the attacks yet another example of Islamic extremism on the march, linking them with the Manchester terror attack. President Trump took to Twitter to denounce the terror attacks and call for an end to politically correct policies, as well as to stump for his travel ban. Conservatives on both sides of the Atlantic complained about leftist multiculturalism creating room for Islamic terror growth. Meanwhile, the left shrugged. Sally Cohn tweeted about the glories of political correctness. Paul Krugman compared being killed in a terrorist attack to being killed by a drunk driver. Democrats complained about President Trump's attacks on Khan, who was busy urging Londoners to stay calm after panicking about global warming just a few days ago. What explains this gap between left and right? The left believes that human beings are inherently good and that only environment defines whether they will act in evil fashion. That's why Senator Bernie Sanders articulated in 2016 that global warming was the spur to terrorism. It's why the Obama administration routinely suggested that poverty causes terrorism. External circumstances dictate the morality of individual actors. That's also why the left argues we shouldn't hold people responsible for their actions as a general rule. Instead, we should reshape society. The right, on the other hand, believes that human beings are capable of evil all on their own. That's why they see the rise of radical Islam as more of a problem than global warming. Good people won't kill each other just because the world is getting warmer. They will if they begin to believe evil ideologies or support those who do. The gap is not bridgeable. It goes to the nature of humanity and our perception of that nature. But it's requiring a greater and greater strain these days to blame anybody but individual human beings in free Western societies for their own descent into evil. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All right, tons to get to today. I want to talk about what we really should be talking about, and then I want to talk about what the media is instead talking about, of course, these Comey hearings, and then NSA head Mike Rogers is in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, as well as Dan Coates, the, the Director of National Intelligence, both of them testifying right now. We'll get to all of that and bring you the latest updates, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at ProFlowers. So, I've been using ProFlowers for years, long before they were a sponsor. Whenever I go out of town, I try to send my wife flowers from abroad, and Pro Flowers is the way that I do it. They always send fresh flowers. It's always great. Whenever there's an issue, they make it right immediately. We've had broken we had a broken vase one time and they sent a brand new vase right then and there. Right now, ProFlowers has a special offer just for our listeners. You get $10 off your purchase of $29 or more. This deal works best on best-selling gifts like their 100 Blooms Bouquet, a dozen Red Rosens, or even their totally unique plant gifts. To get that great deal, go to ProFlowers.com right now and enter Ben Show at checkout. That's Ben Show at checkout. ProFlowers bouquets, they're guaranteed fresh for seven days or they'll refund all of your money. They have a seven-step quality check, which means that the flowers are always awesome and their website is really easy to use. You can schedule your delivery ahead of time for any date you want and get back 
to and get back to that day. Pro Flowers is a no-brainer gift for a birthday, for an anniversary, for Father's Day, which is coming up every occasion or no occasion at all. Pro Flowers just fantastic. I use it made my marriage better because when you show love, then your spouse shows love to you as well. Proflowers.com, promo code BENSHOW, $10 off any purchase of $29 or more, so significant discount there. Plus, if you use the promo code BENSHOW, they know that we sent you, which means they continue advertising with us, which means we can continue to bring you the show. So BENSHOW, and go to Proflowers.com to use that promo code BENSHOW, get that 10 bucks off for any purchase of $29 or more. Okay, so... Let's start with what people should be talking about today. What people should be talking about today is there is a global threat of Islamic terror. There is an Islamic terror attack in Canada over the weekend. Everybody ignored it. There's a global, there was an Islamic terror attack. ISIS uh, actually is now basically at war with Iran, and Iran is now blaming Saudi Arabia. So the chances of a Middle Eastern conflagration are growing exponentially. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia is in the middle of a firefight. Uh, a, a political firefight, anyway, with the nation of Qatar. Qatar is a backdoor terror supporter, and they have been for a long time. And now Saudi Arabia is posing itself in opposition to them. So things are shaping up for what could actually turn into a hot conflict in the Middle East between Iran and Saudi Arabia, or Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Things could get very ugly very quickly over there. And meanwhile, all of that is resulting in an increase in terror abroad. ISIS is trying to demonstrate that it still has muscle. So there have been terrorist attacks, as I say, in Britain, in Toronto. There's one in the Philippines. Uh, and the London mayor was asked by the, I think it's by Piers Morgan, actually, what exactly he's doing to stop terrorism and basically said, we can't do much. Mayor of this no, hold, capital respect, city, hold, hold where are they? I can't follow... 400 people. What I can do is make sure what, we have the policies, because we can, what we can do though is make sure we have the resources for the police and the experts well, to follow these people. Why can't you instruct the police? Why can't you call Cressida Dick right now well, and say every one of those people has come what. back from a war zone who's in London, I want them followed. And he has no answer for that. He starts to kind of futz about. The answer is that he can, but he won't, because the fact is we are deploying our law enforcement resources in the West in exactly the wrong way. We have used political correct politically correct ways of doing it. You know, people wonder why it is that the intelligence community has these blanket surveillance tools that they use for all Americans. One of the reasons is political correctness. If we weren't politically correct, then we'd be using all of our law enforcement resources at the hottest spots. We still are using a disproportionate amount, but we have to pretend that we're not. So instead, we decide it's more important to surveil everyone equally. And so we have these giant metadata programs instead of focusing in on, say, people who are coming back from Syria or people who are going to Wahhabi-funded mosques, Saudi-funded mosques. It's a huge mistake. Meanwhile, Democrats, of course, are not focusing on the threat of Islamic terror at all. They are trying to continue to play identity politics. They're trying to say that Republicans are evil and terrible, not because Republicans are bad at protecting you from terrorism. They're evil and terrible because they're racist and sexist and bigoted and homophobic. So Andrew Cuomo, who's the governor of New York, who should theoretically be spending a lot of his time focused on the terror threat to places like New York City. Instead, he's spending his time preparing for a 2020 run by going around saying that President Trump hates immigrants and just wants to deport people, so you should deport Andrew Cuomo. You want to deport immigrants? Start with me, because I'm an immigrant. Well, if only we could, Andrew Cuomo, but you're an American citizen, so we cannot do that, nor should we. But it is tempting. The fact is that the Democrats are seeking to avoid the real discussion, which is what do we do about radical Islamic terror? What they are really wanting to focus on is, of course, these hearings that are happening on the Hill right now. So, there were a bunch of breaking pieces of news last night. 
surrounding James Comey, the former FBI director and President Trump. And the big question from all of this, because today, as I say, we have the national security advisor, uh, the head of the national security agency, rather, Mike Rogers, testifying on the Hill. Uh, There were reports that Rogers had been asked by Trump to pressure Comey to drop the Trump-Russia investigation into Flynn. Uh, There was also a report that Trump had asked Dan Coats, who's the head of the Director of National Intelligence, to pressure Comey to back off of Mike Flynn, the former national security advisor. And those reports were all coming out in the last couple of weeks. They are testifying today on the Hill. Uh, you also have the uh, you have Comey himself is testifying on the Hill tomorrow. So I want to bring you all the updates about this. But the only question that matters here, the only question that really matters is, did President Trump in any way attempt to hamper the investigation into Trump campaign Russia connections? Did he attempt? That, that's the big question in all of this. Did he attempt to do that? Did he attempt to pressure Coates? Did he attempt to pressure Rogers? Did he attempt to pressure Jeff Sessions? Did he attempt to pressure uh, Comey before he fired him? Was was any of this designed to actually shut down the investigation? Now, if you're on the left, you got to be saying, well, sure, of course. I mean, it looks like now, according to these reports, he asked Coates to tell Comey to back off. He asked Rogers to tell Comey to back off. He asked Coates to disown the Russian dossier we talked about several months ago, this intelligence dossier about Trump and Russia much of which turned out to be false, and Coates refused to do it. He fired Comey. If you're on the left, you have to be saying, well, yeah, I mean, there's pressure everywhere. And to be fair, if the, if the situation were reversed, if you had Barack Obama and Barack Obama's IRS head were being investigated, and she went up and she testified that Barack Obama did not put any pressure, and he had some secret conversations with her, and there were reports that he had asked her to target 501c3 charities, and the question was, did he pressure you to push 501c3 charities that were conservative out the back door? We would all be saying, well, why would we trust her answer? That's what the left is saying today. But again, no evidence, no evidence of any of this, uh, and no, no evidence of serious pressure being brought. Everyone has testified now. According to Rogers today, he just testified moments ago that he has not felt pressure from the Trump administration to do anything illegal. Coates said basically the same thing. Uh, they're giving... A little bit shifty answers in some areas. Uh, they're, they're saying things like, I feel it's inappropriate to answer. I don't know if I legally can answer. But regardless of that, there's still no evidence that Trump actually pressured. So there's two ways of reading Trump's behavior in all of this. And I want to go through what the reports are about Trump's behavior, and then I'll explain the two reads on the behavior. So the Washington Post reported last night, this is all in prep run up for the for the Comey hearing. The Comey hearing tomorrow is what Democrats are looking forward to. They think that Comey's going to come forward and Comey is going to say the following. He's going to get up and he's going to say, President Trump met with me. He asked me to kill the Trump-Russia investigation. I refused to do so. He fired me. That's the narrative Democrats are hoping for. That's not the narrative they're likely to get. But in preparation for that narrative, the bars in D.C. are opening up tomorrow, apparently, and they're putting the Comey hearings on TV. CBS is broadcasting it in network time, which, as I mentioned yesterday, is just insane. Would they have broadcast Lois Lerner's testimony on network time? Would they have broadcast Eric Holder's testimony on network time? Would they have broadcast Hillary Clinton's Benghazi testimony on network time? Of course not. This is evidence of tremendous, tremendous media bias. But the media are all hot and bothered about this. So they're leaking incessantly about Comey and about Coates and about Rogers and about all of this. So here's the Washington Post report last night. They say, quote, the president complained to the he met with CIA director Mike Pompeo and DNI Dan Coates. 
They attended a briefing at the White House. He pulled them aside and told everybody else to leave. And then, quote, the president started complaining about the FBI investigation and Comey's handling of it, said officials familiar with the account Coates gave to associates. Two days earlier, Comey had confirmed in a congressional hearing the bureau was probing whether Trump's campaign coordinated with Russia during the 2016 race. After the encounter, Coates discussed the conversation with other officials and decided that intervening with Comey, as Trump had suggested, would be inappropriate according to officials who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive internal matters. So I'm not sure where the illegality lies. The president can say anything he wants, but it's not obstruction of justice unless he actively does something to obstruct justice. And if I went to Dan Coates and I said, Dan, I'd appreciate if you dropped this investigation, it wouldn't mean anything. If the president does it, it doesn't really mean anything either. Maybe it's a backdoor sort of pressure, but it's not obvious that that is pressure rising to the level of obstruction of justice. Is it just possible that Trump is so annoyed with the Trump-Russia investigation because he himself knows that he's innocent, that he's saying off-the-cuff silly things to people? My, my theory is that that's what best fits with the evidence. Not that Trump is some sort of mastermind attempting in Nixonian fashion to quash the investigation, but that Trump is so frustrated with Comey and with the Trump-Russia investigation that he's angry at everyone. There's a report today that he's angry at Jeff Sessions. Okay, Jeff Sessions, of course, is his attorney general and one of the more solid kind of populist nationalists in the administration. If you are somebody who likes Trump's agenda, Jeff Sessions is your man. I mean, Jeff Sessions is the guy who is anti-immigration. Jeff Sessions is the guy who is in favor of harsher restrictions on immigration and, and harsher enforcement of crime. Jeff Sessions is somebody you want to see stay, in other words, if you are a fan of Trump. But now there's tension between Trump and Sessions, apparently. According to ABC News, Justice Department spokesperson Sarah Isker Flores would not comment when asked by ABC News if Sessions had threatened or offered to resign. Additionally, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer yesterday would not confirm whether Trump still has confidence in Sessions, saying, I said I have not had a discussion with him on the question. I don't. If I, had have, if I haven't had a discussion about a subject, I tend not to speak about it, which is a pretty weird way of answering a question about whether the president has confidence in his own attorney general, sort of this language that was being mirrored by Sean Spicer before Comey was fired. So clearly there's tension between Sessions and Trump. So in other words, Trump is angry at everyone that the Trump-Russia investigation won't just die, not because he's guilty, but because Trump thinks he's innocent. Trump says, I didn't do anything. I know I didn't do anything. And that's really plausible that Trump didn't do anything, even if Manafort, even if Manafort, Paul Manafort, his former campaign manager, did something, even if Carter Page his former foreign policy advisor, did something. Even if Mike Flynn did something. That is not evidence that Trump himself did something. And you can sense that Trump has a divide in his own mind between the Trump campaign and Trump himself. And by the way, if you're Mike Flynn and you're cutting some sort of corrupt deal with the Russians, or Paul Manafort and you're cutting some sort of corrupt deal with the Russians, the last person you would tell is Donald Trump. For two reasons. One, Trump would likely fire you. And two, even if Trump didn't fire you, you're now making him privy, well, three reasons. Two, you're making him privy to information that could get him impeached if he ever was discovered to have been involved in this. And three, if you tell Trump, there's a good shot that Trump will say something dumb about it on national TV and get everybody in trouble. So the, so the, the reality here is that Trump probably is innocent. Trump probably is irritated. And Trump probably is going around saying to everyone he can find, can you please stop this because it's annoying me? That, I think, is the account that best fits with the evidence, but that's not what Democrats are saying. I'm going to get to that in just a second. The over-the-skis nature of this, the Democrats really pushing a narrative that doesn't exist, a narrative that is far over the top, and they're going to continue pushing it, and it's 
up to Trump how to tamp that down. There's a way for him to do it. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk about our advertisers over at Realty Shares. So if you're somebody who's interested in investing in real estate, but you've never really looked into investing in real estate, you think you don't have enough money to invest in real estate, Realty Shares is the place for you. What they do is they actually diversify investments, big investments among people who are smaller investors. It is not an offering of securities. Private investments are highly illiquid and risky and not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Securities offered to accredited investors through North Capital Private Securities member FINRA SIPC. But RealityShares.com is demolishing the walls between you and real estate investing. You don't need billions or millions or even tens of thousands of bucks to invest in vetted real estate assets. With Realty Shares, hundreds of people invest fractionally, right? You reduce the cost of your initial investment. Their deals are vetted. They are curated by industry professionals. They underwrite and perform due diligence. So you don't have to source these investment opportunities yourself. You don't have to waste all your time doing that. Instead, you basically have a list of investments in which you can take part. And then you go to Realty Shares and you invest. It is free to sign up and browse the investments. Getting set up takes just a few minutes. And then you can manage and invest straight from your phone or computer through their simple and secure online process. All it takes is 5000 bucks to make an investment. There are no hidden fees. And look, listen, if you want to build wealth, there is no better way to do it than investing in real estate. If you make $200,000 a year, you may qualify. Find out today at RealtyShares.com slash Ben. That's RealtyShares.com slash Ben. And by the way, if you use RealtyShares.com slash Ben, R-E-A-L-T-Y Shares.com slash Ben, then you get 100 bucks toward your first investment. Close to 100,000 investors nationwide are using Realty Shares. $60 million in principle has been returned to investors. Realty Shares works. And again, it is the best way for you to diversify your holdings. Uh, and uh, you want to make sure that you that you comply with all the restrictions, and then you should definitely become an investor in Realty Shares. Go today to RealtyShares.com slash Ben. Again, $100 toward your first investment is what you get. R-E-A-L-T-Y Shares.com slash Ben. Okay, so... The, the fact is that the Democrats are trying to overread the situation. The Democrats are going with the Trump was colluding, now Trump is covering it up. And you can see the people who they are trotting out to say things like this. So the first person they're trotting out is James Clapper. James Clapper was the director of national intelligence under Barack Obama. He was appointed by Obama. And Clapper is not an honest person. He's the person who lied in front of Congress when he said that People were not being surveilled, essentially, by the National Security Agency. That was not true. Now James Clapper was doing a speech to the National Press Club in Australia, and here is what he had to say about the Trump administration. His subsequent actions sharing a sense of intelligence with the Russians and compromising its source reflect either ignorance or disrespect, and either is very problematic. Similarly, the whole episode with the firing of Jim Comey a distinguished public servant. Apart from the egregious, inexcusable manner in which it was conducted, reflect complete disregard for the independence and autonomy of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, our premier law enforcement organization. I have to say... So pause it right there for a second. When he says that it reflects uh, a lack of respect for the autonomy of the FBI, what he is implying there is that Trump is invading the autonomy of the FBI, meaning that he is attempting to cram down his view of the Trump-Russia investigation on the FBI. No evidence has been provided of that. Trump has every right to fire James Comey, who was, is, and will be an incompetent, bloviating blowhard. Here is James Clapper continuing. Though that I think, uh, you know, compare the two that Watergate pales uh, really, uh, in my view, uh, as, as compared to what we're, uh, we're confronting now. Okay, that's insane. 
Watergate does not pale in comparison for two reasons. One, there was an underlying crime in Watergate. We know there was a break-in at the Watergate Hotel. We know that it was subordinates of President Nixon who conducted that break-in. And we know that President Nixon attempted to cover it up, obstruct justice, and fire people. Here, we don't know that there was an underlying crime. Here, we don't know that Trump was actually trying to obstruct when he fired Comey. And there's been, from by, by all the available actual evidence that we've seen, no one can provide a shred of evidence other than accusations that there's been an actual attempt to shut down the investigation. In fact, the people who are key, people like Rod Rosenstein, uh, people like Rogers, people like the uh, people like uh, DNI Coates, all of these people have said there is no actual intervention into the Trump Russia investigation. So how can he sit there and claim this is worse than Watergate? How can he claim that? He can't because he's a political hack. But again, I just want to point out that if you're on the left. What you need in order to keep this thing alive is you need more smoke. So the left will, will push its smoke. But what you really need if you're the left is you need Trump to continue to fulminate. You need Trump to continue to get angry and tweet things because the more Trump tweets, the more he fulminates, the more he acts out, the more he asks people to shut down investigations, the more he tells people, can you please leave this alone? The more irritated Trump gets, the more volatile he gets. The more volatile he gets, the more he tends to say innately not smart things to people about an investigation that may not be obstruction of justice, but that give hints of obstruction of justice if you are a member of the left. So the best thing that Trump can do right now is to take it easy. That'd be the best thing that Trump can do. And I'm going to talk about what exactly Trump can do to tamp all this down. He's, I think, starting to do some of this, but he's going to need to not live tweet Comey's testimony tomorrow to do the rest. But in order for you to hear what the strategy ought to be and how Republicans are responding to all of this, you need to go over to dailywire.com right now and become a subscriber for $8 a month. You, too, can subscribe at dailywire.com. That monthly subscription will get you the rest of the Ben Shapiro show live. You can be part of the mailbag, which we are going to be doing on Fridays. We're now a five-day-a-week show. Uh, you're going to be contributing to our new studios. We have new studios that are, that are going to be premiering next week. You know, we've been, we've been basically doing this from the inside, apparently, of a Russian Dasha for the last year and a half. Um, but we are going to actually be moving over to some beautiful new studios uh, in the next few days, uh, which is really, really exciting. You can be part of that as well over at dailywire.com. Uh, and if you become an annual subscriber right now, not only do you get all of those things, uh, but you also get a free signed copy of the new book by me and my father, Say It's So, Papa, Dad, Me, and the 2005 Chicago White Sox Championship Season. You don't have to be a Chicago White Sox fan to enjoy the book. If you're a baseball fan, you will enjoy the book. It's a lot of fun. It's about fathers and sons. And what was a really tough year, actually, for my family... Uh, um, but it, my dad and I spent the year watching these baseball games and writing about it, uh, and it was just a blast. And I think the book's a lot of fun to read. It's actually kind of moving, I think. Great Father's Day gift. Go over and become an annual subscriber right now over at dailywire.com. Get a free signed copy, and we'll send it direct to you, and you can give it to your pops. Uh, really good present. So dailywire.com, become a subscriber. Or if you just want to listen to the show later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, and make sure that you leave a review over at iTunes. We always appreciate it. This is the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So the fact is that the way that President Trump should be dealing with all of the Comey hubbub is that President Trump should be playing it cool. That's what he should be doing. He shouldn't be trying to, to tell people to stop investigations. He shouldn't be tweeting about it. He should just go silent. And he has every excuse to do so now. There's, a, there's an, a special prosecutor who's looking into all of this, Robert Mueller. He should just say, listen, Bob Mueller's looking into this. We're done here. There's nothing else to discuss. I'm not pressuring anybody. The investigation is going to go forward. I know I'm innocent, so I have nothing to fear. Right? I have nothing to fear. 
that would be the way to actually handle this. Now, the left is going to try and have it both ways. Lawrence O'Donnell, who's just a, a tool of stupidity on MSNBC, he says that Trump should have stepped in and blocked Comey's testimony. You can see how excited he is. He thinks that Comey is going to be the downfall of Trump, which is idiotic. Here he is. So the president was bold and politically unwise enough to fire the FBI director who was investigating him, but he is not bold enough to tell that FBI director to shut up. Um, so he, th- th- this is this is really dumb. If he if he told the FBI director to shut up right now, uh, then it would be more evidence from the left of a cover up. If he lets Comey speak. Comey will say some stuff. None of it will be terrific for Trump, but none of it is going to be totally damning of Trump either because, again, Comey is, Trump is right about this, a loudmouth who likes to be on TV and likes to say things and holds his self-esteem in higher regard than he maybe holds the law. And there, there are a lot of ways you can push back on Comey quietly and through subordinates. You don't have to do it yourself. You know, Lindsey Graham, I think, has this exactly right. I, Lindsey Graham is kind of adult, but I think Lindsey Graham has this right. He says, quote, I don't think you did anything wrong to President Trump. Don't get in the way of an investigation that could actually clear you. That makes perfect sense to me. I think that that is exactly right. And that means don't tweet things. Don't get in the way. Just go silent now. Just go silent now. And you don't worry. Your subordinates will say things. Your subordinates will be able to push back. You know, Trump, I think, started to do this a little bit yesterday. He was asked about James Comey, and here was his line. Mr. President, what message do you have to give Comey ahead of his testimony? I wish him luck. Thank you, everybody. Okay, that's that's the right answer. I wish him luck. Say what you're going to say, and we're done here. And then let your subordinates say the things that that you're that that you should say. So Eric Jr. was out there on Hannity, and he said this is uh, a witch hunt, which it very well may be. Uh, here, here he is making that case. James Comey's going to testify on Capitol Hill. Are you going to watch? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Both sons described the investigation into Russian collusion with the Trump campaign as an effort to undermine their father's presidency. It's the greatest hoax of of all time. I was there throughout the campaign. We have no dealings in Russia. We have no projects in Russia. We have nothing to do with Russia. I mean, to me, it's without a question, you know, reads and smells like a witch hunt. Okay, and I think that this is probably the right angle for them to push, that it is a witch hunt. But you can have your subordinates do it, right? So Trump should just be out there saying, listen, we're wide open. Come on, bring it. Right? That's really what Trump should be doing. And then his son should be out there saying, this is politically motivated. And listen, is it politically motivated? Of course it's politically motivated. Of course it's politically motivated. Now, I said this during the Obama administration. Just because an investigation is politically motivated doesn't mean it's not justified. Right? It might be justified and politically motivated, but this one looks politically motivated and unjustified, at least based on the evidence we've seen so far. Now, it may be, again, that Michael Flynn, I think my theory on this is right. I, I'd be, almost be willing to bet money on this, that Michael Flynn may be guilty of something. Paul Manafort may be guilty of something. Trump had no idea what was going on and fired people when he found out about it. I think that that's probably the most likely explanation in all of this, and Trump just doesn't want the blowback, and he's irritated because he's an irritable guy. He's irritated when, when people in the intel community keep leaking things about him that he knows aren't true. But his best move here is to deprive the left of oxygen. There's a big debate that's broken out over Trump's tweeting. Is Trump's tweeting helping the left, or is Trump's tweeting helping Trump? And there are people who say, well, listen, if he hadn't tweeted this way during the campaign, then he would have lost. You know, Sean Spicer made that case yesterday. The president is the most effective messenger on his agenda. And I think his use of social media, he's now has a collective total of close to 110 million people across different platforms, gives him an opportunity to speak straight to the American people, which has proved to be a very, very effective tool. Using it and using it wisely can be two different things. 
Right, and I think the same people who are critiquing his use of it now critiqued it during the election, and it turned out pretty well for him then. Okay, that is not true at all. There are a lot of his allies who are saying, President, Mr. President, it's not the same thing being campaign as it is being in an election, and you might be better served by backing off of the Twitter use, particularly on legal issues right now. What tr tr Listen, I think that is, is this impeachable stuff? I don't see anything here that's remotely impeachable. Is this criminal? I don't see anything here that's criminal. Is it true that Trump pressured subordinates to kill an investigation? I mean, if by pressure you mean did he talk to subordinates about the investigation, then I guess so, but that's a pretty broad definition of pressure. I mean, I assume that Obama talked routinely with members of his own staff about various investigations that were going on into things that were happening in his administration. Did the left go nuts over that? Did the left go nuts over Obama and Loretta Lynch investigating Hillary Clinton? Did the left go nuts about President Obama asserting executive privilege in order to protect Eric Holder from having to testify in front of Congress? Of course not. And the Obama administration was doing stuff that was at least as dirty as what we're seeing right now, and the media didn't have any problem with it. We had a problem with it over here on the right, but we didn't have the full evidence to go out there and say that everything that we assumed was going on was actually going on. So I think that we ought to have the same standard when it comes to President Trump. Okay, let's do some things I like and then some things that I hate. But before we do that, I want to say thank you to our friends over at FrameBridge.com. So... FrameBridge.com is the best place to frame all of your photos. You choose your frame or let their designers help you choose. Instead of you going over to one of these expensive custom framing shops and spending a bajillion dollars, FrameBridge.com does it much more inexpensively. Upload your photo from your computer or directly from Instagram. You can preview your photo online in the frame that you choose. And if you can't upload your photo or art, you can actually just mail it in to, for free directly to them. It is very affordable. Instead of the hundreds that you'd pay at a framing store for things like posters, their prices start at 39 bucks. All shipping is free. And right now, my listeners get $15% rather off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code Shapiro. That is 15% off framebridge.com when you use that promo code Shapiro, they have tons of quality options. They have a frame for every style, from clean and classic to the more eclectic. They use premium real wood moldings, an acid-free mat board and foam board. Their acrylic glazing does not shatter. It protects your piece from harmful UV rays, so it won't destroy the art that you're attempting to frame. And they have a happiness guarantee, meaning that they will that uh, the expert team will custom frame your item in days, not weeks or months, and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Their team gives every item care and attention because if they meet your expectations that's the most important thing and then of course get started framing today your photos are at framebridge.com promo code Shapiro get 15% off your first order again that's framebridge.com promo code Shapiro they've framed some of the stuff in my home they do a beautiful job framebridge.com promo code Shapiro okay so time for some things I like and then some things I hate so things that I like uh, I over the weekend read uh, a great sports book uh, I've written a great sports book, by the way. Say it so. There's another pitch. But uh, this is it. John Feinstein is uh, one of the best sports writers in America. I would venture to say I think he's the best sports writer in the country. Uh, he, when he writes about basketball particularly, he's just wonderful. He wrote a fantastic bestseller called The Season on the Brink, which you should go out and you should get. But this is another one that came out more more uh, in, more lately, uh, and that is um, The Legends Club. Uh, the book is about uh, Dean Smith, the famed coach, the legendary coach uh, at University of North Carolina, and, uh, and Mike Krzyzewski over at Duke University, uh, and it's about Jim Valvano, who was at the university, uh, who was at uh, North Carolina State. And they were all coached at the same time. They all won NCAA titles uh, around the same time. It's a really good, compelling book. Most of the center of the book is about Krzyzewski, who seems like a really good and decent fellow. Uh, it's 
about the development of college basketball. It's about what it means to be a coach, interact with players, interact with each other. Really a fascinating, great book. I think I've read a lot of John Feinstein books. Uh, His best books are probably A Season on the Brink, and then he wrote one about the Masters that's really fantastic. Uh, And I think this one is in his top three, The Legends Club by John Feinstein. Go out and pick that up today. Really a fun read, really a compelling read. It's one of those books where um, the other night my wife was falling asleep about 9.30, and I wanted to go to sleep too, and instead I started reading the book just as prep for bedtime, and suddenly it's midnight and I'm still reading the book. Great book. John Feinstein, The Legends Club. Okay, other things that I like. So, there's a big runoff election that is happening in the Georgia 6th that is to fill the seat left by, who is it, Mick Mulvaney? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who, who gave up the, the Georgia 6th seat uh, in order to uh, special in order to create the special election. But the people who are running right now are John Ossoff, who is the Democrat, uh, and he is running neck and neck with Karen Handel, a really nice gal who I know pretty well, uh, and she is running, she, she was the Secretary of State, I believe, in the state of Georgia, longtime Republican honcho in the state, and they had a debate last night, and Karen Handel just hands him his ass. It's pretty amazing. So, John, I guess what I would like to know is exactly who are you going to vote for in this election? Is that the question? Uh, and, and he just has no answer. And the reason he has no answer, John Ossoff, is because John Ossoff cannot vote in the district. And he has no ex- explanation for why he's running in a district in which he cannot vote. And she went on to just hammer him and say, you're a fraud, and that's why you, you wouldn't do a debate on CNN with me. That's why you won't come on TV. I mean, just brutal by Karen Handel to John Ossoff. I love the fact that he's so surprised by this question. This was a major issue for the last several weeks in this election, and he still doesn't have a good answer for it. By the way, it was Tom Price, the, uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary, who was in that district, uh, and now one of these two people will fill his slot. Uh, I think that Karen Handel is going to win the seat. I think it will be close. Um, people on the right are going to take that as evidence that Republicans are doing just fine in these congressional seats, but the fact is that these seats should really not even be particularly competitive. Uh, there's a poll out today from Gallup that shows that 7% more Democrats are registered than Republicans, uh, or at least Democrats have a 7 percentage point advantage over Republicans in terms of party registration, which is a disaster uh, for Republicans. Uh, there's polls out today that show that Trump's approval rating is down near 38 to 40%. That's not good heading into a midterm election. And Republicans are saying, well, it's better than Bill Clinton's was at the beginning of his tenure. Right. How did 1994 end up for Democrats? Not well, if you recall. Right? It was the first time Republicans had won Congress in 60 years. So uh, I think that you know we, we ought to be very careful about taking too much from this election cycle, but good for Karen Handel for hammering John Ossoff. Really funny stuff. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So Shannon Sharp, I don't know what his deal is. We've done Shannon Sharp stuff uh, in two of the last three days, I think. Uh, Shannon Sharp is, of course, the former tight end for the Denver Broncos, among other teams. Uh, and he is very upset that that Colin Kaepernick, who you recall is the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback, who made a big deal out of kneeling for the national anthem because Black Lives Matter and such. Uh, Shannon Sharp says that Colin Kaepernick remaining unsigned just shows how racist everybody is. I value life more than cloth. And what Colin Kaepernick is standing for is more important. I'm not going to be disrespectful to the flag. And I understand that the flag represents a lot of things to a lot of people. But to say he's being disrespectful of the flag and being disrespectful to the people that uh, 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 that served and fought for freedom of that flag. What about the soldiers? Well, what about those black soldiers? Are they were they being disrespectful when they came back and were second class citizens? Were they being disrespectful when they had to get up and move to the back of the carts when you brought the POWs on? 
So don't give me that bull jive. These owners and some of these fans that's taking this stance against mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick is so utterly ridiculous. I don't even really know what to do but to show you where we are and just how much further we have to go. Okay, what absolute horse pucky. So a couple of things. Number one, the soldiers who came back, I don't recall the vast majority of them sitting for the national anthem, and they had to actually go through racism, unlike Colin Kaepernick, who has had a life of luxury and ease for the most part. This notion that that because black people have been victims of racism in the United States, therefore today black people should be kneeling for the national anthem, or that black people in America are typically victims of the American system today, it's just it's just nonsense. Also, it's just nonsense the idea that Colin Kaepernick is not being hired because Colin Kaepernick is uh, is is some sort of freedom fighter. Okay, I'm looking at the passer ratings from last year right now. Okay, this is the the QB rating for passing. I'm not going to look at running because I don't think that running quarterbacks matter. I mean, this is why you have running backs. Okay, running in terms of passer rating, the number one quarterback in the NFL last year in passer rating was Drew Brees. Then it was Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford. Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Andrew Luck. Right? Okay, those are the top 10. I'm going to fast forward because I don't want to read all 30 quarterbacks. Here are the bottom five. Brock Osweiler, Blake Bortles, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, and coming in dead last, dead last in the NFL with a negative QB pass rating. And he is 10 points below everyone else is Colin Kaepernick. He had a negative 0.3%, negative 0.3 QB rating in terms of passing. That was only balanced out by the fact they had a 22.8 run rating. Okay, but he's not trying to sign as a running back. He's trying to sign as a passer. Okay, if you are a quarterback, if you are a quarterback with stats like that, there is no excuse for you complaining about not getting a job. It's amazing. Where are all these people who are who are complaining? I don't remember. Where were these people complaining about Tim Tebow's QB ratings? Where were they complaining about why Tim Tebow could not get a job? I missed it. I missed it. Like, I'm looking at Tim Tebow in the final year that he played for the New York Jets. He had, uh, he had six completions in eight attempts uh, in, in his final year with the Denver Broncos. He had a 46.5 completion percent. Uh, he had a completion um, uh, percent was, uh, was 46.5% in his final year with the Denver Broncos. I want to look up, actually, now the, uh, the 2007 QB ratings. Let's see how fast I can get those up. Okay, so here are the NFL passer ratings for 2011. This is the last season in which Tim Tebow was, uh, was playing as a, uh, as a full-time player. Okay, he, too, ranked number 30. He was number 30. Okay, but somehow Shannon Sharp wasn't complaining about Tim Tebow not being able to get a full-time job anywhere. Because it turns out that when you're not very good at being a quarterback, you're not very good at being a quarterback. Shocker, right? Crazy, huh? Again, Colin Kaepernick's stats last year were just egregiously bad. He played in 12 games. He played in 12 games. He had a completion percentage of 59.2%. Okay, for an average of 6.77 yards. He threw 16 touchdowns, uh, it looks like, and, uh, and four interceptions, if this is correct. Uh, and uh, and he basically sucked again. That completion percentage uh, was not good enough for him to to look for another job. He just that QB rating negative 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 point three negative point three QB rating. We that is not a good passer rating. That is not a good passer rating. So uh, again, the the fact that that Colin Kaepernick 
uh, was basically shellacked into not playing. That, that is not a reference to racism. That is a reference to him sucking at his job. If I sucked that much at my job, I would probably be out of work as well. Okay, final thing that I hate, and then I'm going to say a quick Bible thing. So uh, I want to talk about feminists hating on Wonder Woman. So I know that Mathis has seen Wonder Woman. Austin, you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. Oh, you saw it? You saw it as well? Yeah. Okay, so I, I still won't spoil it because it's still, you know, just one weekend old, so I won't do any spoilers, but it is a feminist movie, but, like, feminist in the best kind of way. So it says that women are capable of doing lots of... Th- First of all, it's a fantasy, okay? Women aren't actually running into fields of fire in World War One wearing nothing but scantily clad garments and then surviving. They just... Point to fact, it's a superhero movie. So this whole women can do anything routine. No, Wonder Woman can do anything because she's a magical daughter of, of a god. So there's that. Um, but... You know this this notion that she that uh, that she is uh, not a feminist, and there are some people on the left who are saying this. I don't know why you would say she's not a feminist. She is she's strong enough to walk into males only meetings. Uh, she is derogatory about women in subordinate positions. She is strong enough to chart her own course and do what she wants to do. There are two things about this film I think that that stuck in the craw of feminists that they won't actually talk about. One is that. There's one moment in the film where she goes out of her way to coo at a baby because there are no babies on Amazon Island because there are no men on Amazon Island. So she is walking on the street and she sees a baby and she sort of, it's very funny, she veers out of her way to go and coo at the baby because she's a girl and girls like babies. Sorry to break it to you, feminists, but turns out that women like babies. And the other thing is that she actually has a love affair with a man, right? So she's, she's on Lesbian Island over there in whatever the name of that, that island is called. And uh, Themyscira, right? It's all women. Yeah. And, um, and there's a scene in there where it talks about how men are unnecessary for pleasure. Well, she certainly finds Chris Pine necessary for pleasure uh, sometime in the film. And the idea that, that feminists are supposed to hate men and love abortion it seems to be key to a lot of militant feminists. I think it's one of the reasons they hate Wonder Woman. Also, the fact she's played by Gal Gadot, who is married, has two children, was pregnant, apparently, during the filming, uh, and served in the Israeli Defense Forces. So, feminists who hated Wonder Woman, poo on you. It's a great movie, and, it's, and it is a fine feminist message that women can do lots of things, but that, yes, babies are a value to women. And guess what? So is marriage. Okay? These are things that women can have. My wife... I say this many times, and I will continue to say it. My wife, to me, is the ultimate feminist. She is a doctor, and she is also a mother of two who is married and happily married um, and leads a happy life because of that. Feminism, I thought, was about women making fulfilling choices, not just about women having abortions and hating men, but the radical left has dumbed down feminism into that, which is why people are reluctant to call themselves feminists these days. Okay, uh, it is a Wednesday, so I want to do a quick Bible thing here. Uh, so uh, the the... We've run out of Bible portions, so I've started. We actually went through the entire five books of Moses over the last year. I was made aware of that a couple of weeks ago by someone. So we're going to do what they call the Haftorahs. So the Haftorahs, for people who don't know kind of Orthodox Jewish practice, which is 99% of the audience, uh, the Haftorah is a section that we read after we read the, the particular section of the Bible. We, we also read a section from the prophets. And that's because during the Roman era, the, the, the Romans banned the reading of the Old Testament in in Israel, and so the Jews would basically read from the prophets as sort of reminder of what it w- they would be reading in the Old Testament. So, for example, in this week's Parsha, in this week's Torah portion, it talks about the menorah. So they found a section of the prophets to read to people instead that also talks about the menorah. So this is from Zechariah. This is from the book of Zechariah. And it says, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, he is God. And Satan was standing on his right to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord shall rebuke you, O Satan, and the Lord shall rebuke you, he who chose Jerusalem. Is this one not a brand plucked from fire? Now Joshua was wearing filthy garments and standing before the angel. 
And he, the angel, raised his voice and said to those standing before him, saying, Take the filthy garments off him. And he said to him, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I have clad you with clean garments. And then he goes on to talk about, If you fulfill my promises, then you will be clean again. So what is this about? Joshua is the high priest in Jerusalem. This is directly after the reestablishment directly after the, the reestablishment of the second temple, uh, I believe. And Joshua was the high priest after the Babylonian exile, and his children all intermarried. That was the, the story of Joshua. And after his children all intermarried, there's a lot of blowback on him because it was, what did you do wrong that your children intermarried? And so that's why he's wearing these filthy garments. Uh, and so the idea here is that the angel and God, they, they say it's not Joshua. It's not always your fault if your kids do stuff that's wrong. As long as you are attempting to do the right thing and not justifying your kids doing the wrong thing, then you still get credit for the attempt. Notice also, by the way, that in this in, in the Jewish vision, Satan is not actually a bad guy. Satan is the accuser. That's actually his job. Uh, so the, the idea here is that, listen, it's not always your fault when your kids do the wrong thing. It's not always your fault when people around you don't pay attention to your advice. It's not always your fault. You can bring up your kids in the best possible way, and they still make mistakes. But the bottom line is that so long as you are making the effort and you're making clear to your kids that you, you object to them doing some of the things that they're doing when they make mistakes, you've still fulfilled your moral obligation and God still sees you for what you're attempting to do. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow and we're going to be doing a new Thursdays segment that I will surprise you with tomorrow. Ooh, because it's a five-day week show now. Ooh, okay. <laughs> this is the Ben Shapiro. I'm Ben Shapiro. Catch you tomorrow. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.